We started a series four weeks ago um, titled Thriving at Work. Thriving at Work. And um, the truth is that if you've been following this series in your in, even, in your, even beyond your work life, your, your, you'll, be, you'll have been challenged to do um, all that God has called you to, be, to do. You'll have been challenged to your core on certain areas. And, and we are trusting God that our lives, you know, God will take us, everybody here, to the next level in our businesses, in our careers, and in our relationships in Jesus' name. Um, today we are looking at Dealing with difficult people. Dealing with difficult people. Our text is Romans 12, 18. But before we get to the text, we explained in part two of the series, that part one and two actually, that to get fulfillment and meaning, to get fulfillment and meaning, we have to be in the right place. It's in your outline. Having the right perspective with the right people. I'm feeling people there and the right purpose. Now, in, in, part, one and, in part one, we looked at purpose. In part two, we looked at um, perspective and place, the right perspective and the right place. In part one, we look at the right purpose. Um, in part three, last week, we um, um, pivoted in another direction and looked at winning at work, you know, and, and we looked at um, Solomon's winning ways, six winning ways. And today, we are coming back on course. And we are looking at the people factor, the right people, the right people. Research shows that the number one source of stress in any human being's life is strained relationships. The number one source of stress is not um, how difficult the job is. The number one source of stress is not um, the car that is broken down that can cause stress. The number one source of stress is not power that is gone that can cause stress. The number one source of stress is not even money or lack of money. Yes, that can cause stress. The number one source of stress, they tell us, is strained relationships. If you are going to enjoy your job, you are going to enjoy the people you are working with. In fact, the number one reason for people resigning is because of their immediate manager, not because of the job. They may love the job, but they can't, I mean... There's, there's a strained relationship. Our relationship is someone that, you know, they just need to exit. So today, God is going to help us to thrive at work in Jesus' name and help us to deal with difficult people. Difficult people. God help us. Our text is Romans chapter 12, verse 18. The Word of God says in Romans 12, 18, that if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Everyone say, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. So, God is saying, if it is possible, if, you know, if God's voice says, if it is possible, that kind of suggests that, uh, you know, it may not be always possible for some people, but, you know, but God says, as far as it depends on you, that is from your own Side, be at peace with everyone. And there are all sorts of difficult people around us. 
if we say we should pause for a moment and think of a difficult person in your life, in your business, at, at work, or in your, your life, can you pause and think? Can you think of any, anyone? Some of you don't need to pause. Names are coming straight, straight up. Can you think of anyone? I can't think of anyone. Let me see your answer. I can't think of anyone. There's no difficult person in my life. Uh, maybe you are the difficult person. <laughs> Causing problem for everybody. Now, we all can. So, even if you are not working at the moment, maybe you're, you're a student, you, have, you are going to have to deal with difficult teachers, difficult colleagues, difficult people. It's everywhere around us. And there are five types of difficult people that we will come across. There are five types of difficult people we will come across. Number one, we will come across demanding people. These are dictators. They are little Napoleons. They want to run our lives. Demanding people. Very controlling. Intimidating. Trying to dominate everyone. They are oppressive. They are bullies. They are rude sometimes. Sometimes they are nice bullies. You know, there are some nice bullies. They are nice, but they they just want to bully you. They make unrealistic demands of everyone. Demanding people. Number two, you have dishonest people. Dishonest people. We call them the green, green snake in green grass, on green grass. You look at them, they look so blended with the environment, but they are venomous, no integrity. They lie to you, they lie about you, they cheat you. They promise one thing, they deliver another. They will stab you in the back at the slightest provocation. Sometimes they don't need any provocation. Dishonest people, they make friends with people that they know will stab you. So sometimes they don't want to stab you themselves. So they will make friends with someone that they are sure will stab you. They betray you. They cannot be trusted. Dishonest people. Now, the idea is this. Everyone here must, God helping us, we must ensure that we are not any of these five types of difficult people. You know, you know, we should be sure that even if we have a natural tendency to one or the other, that today we are coming out of it in Jesus' name. So we have demanding people, we have dishonest people, then we have disagreeable people. Disagreeable people. These are chronic complainers. They are always negative. They always have negative attitude. They are grumpy, grouchy, never satisfied. There's nothing you can do. Not content. They love to argue. Like this, um, this lady from Eastern Africa that is a comedian, Kasumi, that was her name. I was watching one of the episodes and her husband was, was taking care of her. Everything was going on smoothly. And she called her husband and says that everything is too smooth. I need to cause trouble in this house. <laughs> I must cause trouble. Why are you always smiling? Some people, if there's no trouble, they must cause trouble. You will not be one of such. In the name of Jesus. Never satisfied or content. Love to argue. Mind the world. Can blow up without notice. When you are with them, you have to be careful because that bomb can go up anytime. So you need to wear your life vest. Then number four, you know, number one, we have demanding people. Number two, we have dishonest people. Number three, we have disagreeable people. Number four, we have defensive people. Even as they are listening to this, they say, no, 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 that's not me. No, 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 it's not you. Yes, stop being defensive. Defensive people, touchy, thin-skinned, easily offended, hurt. 
take offense at whatever you say or don't say. I knew that was what you meant. I knew what you wanted to say. I, but I didn't say it, but I knew that was what you wanted to say. So I'm angry with what you wanted to say. Defensive people. Overly sensitive and highly opinionated. So number one, we have demanding people. Number two, we have dishonest people. Number three, we have disagreeable people. Number four, we have defensive people. And number five, we have demeaning people. Demeaning people. Always putting you down. They, they, they feel a sense of worth when they fooled you down. They feel they need to trample on your head so that they can feel important. Demeaning people. So insecure. It's a sign of insecurity. They attack others constantly, insultive, disrespectful, treat you like dirt, critical about everything you do. And again, like I said, some of us may have different propensities to these five types of difficult people. We may have a lineage, um, a like, you know, a, a propensity towards being demanding, or maybe we are, we are prone to being dishonest, or we are prone to being disagreeable, or we are prone to being defensive, or we are prone to being demeaning. We need to pause this evening and realign with Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. Because God doesn't want us to be difficult people in the lives of people we are doing life with. God doesn't want you to be demanding or dishonest. He doesn't want you to be disagreeable. Neither does he want you to be defensive. Nor does he want you to be demeaning. Absolutely not. Okay, pastor, I'll take care of my heart. I'll make sure that when I live here, by God's grace, I'm not in any of these five categories, in Jesus' name. But I may not be able to control the response of other people. What if the difficult people in my life still remain difficult? How do I handle difficult people? How do I deal with difficult people. But before we delve into the six ways of dealing with difficult people, you know, I need to lay a foundation here in that fulfillment comes, again, I'm saying what I said earlier on, by being in the right place, having the right perspective. So if you miss those teachings, you have to get them. With the right people and right purpose, then, also by way of foundation, the two keys to, to having right people around you is, number one, being the right person. You being the right person. So, which is make sure you are not one of these five difficult people. You be the right person. And of course, number two, know how to deal with such difficult people. So, how do I deal with difficult people? How do I deal with difficult people? Listen. By the, you need to listen to this very carefully. A lot of things I'm going to say today may appear simple, but it's not simplistic at all by any stretch. May appear, oh, I know that, but no, 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 don't be quick to say you know it. Pause. Pause and internalize it. I've been, by the grace of God, I've been pastoring for 10 years. And pastor's work is people's work. I've had to handle different types of people. Different types of people. Demanding, dishonest, disagreeable, defensive, demeaning. But I've also had to handle delightful people. And a lot of you people here are delightful people. <laughs> Praise the name of the So what I want to share with you, you'll be able to Deal with demeaning, defensive, disagreeable, dishonest, and demanding people. 
And of course, enjoy delightful people. So how do I deal with difficult people? Number one, deal with difficult people, you have to realize from that scripture, a text that you can't please everybody. You cannot please everybody. You cannot. You have to realize that you cannot please everybody. That realization alone, like I said, it sounds simple, but if you internalize it, it sets you free. Totally. The word says, the word of God says, as far as it depends on you. So some things will not depend on you, my brother. My sister, some things will not depend on you. A man that has eaten um, over-salted soup at home before coming to church and has a bad attitude, is, is, that, is that my fault? That cannot be pastor's fault. So I, I'm not even going to touch it with a long spoon. It's your issue. Deal with it. Praise the Lord. So fact number one is that some people are unpleasable. You, you have to understand, or some people be, in certain situations, maybe not absolutely, but in certain situations, they are unpleasable. Just accept that. Just accept it. Some people demand from you what you are unwilling, not only unwilling, unable to give. Unable to give. Praise the Lord. But you're unable to give. So if you're unable to give it, I'm sorry. That's just how it is. Proverbs 29, 25. The word of God says in Proverbs 29, 25 that it is dangerous to be concerned with what others think about you. It is what? Dangerous. That's the good news Bible. To be concerned. That's your concern. That's what you wake up thinking. What does this person think about me? The scripture says you are treading a dangerous path. It's dangerous. So, some people are unpleasable. So, fact number two, because some people are unpleasable, I don't have to please everyone. I don't have to please everyone. You know, being a Christian, you know, one of the myths that we kind of imbibe without knowing is that, is that everybody needs to like me. I must be liked by everybody. Oh, I'm a child of God. So this, everybody must like I'm sorry, not everybody will like you. Did everybody like Jesus? Are you better than Jesus? Not everybody will like you. Accept it. Just accept it. In John 5.29, John 5.29, Jesus saying, he says, I only seek to please him who sent me. I only seek to please him who sent me. That's Jesus. So, fact number three, even God can't please everyone. I, I think we've talked about this at, at different, sometimes, I mean, different teachings in the past. Even God cannot please, please everyone. Accept it. Luke 6.26, I mean, this is a very, very pungent scripture. It says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Wow. When all men speak well of you, God says that you are cursed. <laughs> because, you know, people only speak well of the dead. You didn't get that. In most cultures in this world, it's it's only the dead people, don't, people must speak well of. Even in our culture, even in the Western cultures. People only speak well of you. So if all men speak well of you, something is wrong. You are not alive to your calling. And I pray that you will not be a living dead in Jesus' name. So don't worry about everybody liking you. You can take a deep breath and be at peace. How do I deal with difficult people? Number one, I must realize that I can't please everyone. Number two, 
I must refuse to retaliate. Refuse to retaliate. Refuse to what? Refuse to retaliate. So you mean, pastor, I have people demeaning people. Somebody has been very, very demeaning. I mean, to handle difficult people, refuse to retaliate. You say, but pastor, just one punch, I can knock this person out. Refuse to retaliate. Pastor, this person and me, we are not even on the same class. Don't worry. When we get to heaven, we know which, of which class. <laughs> refuse to what? To retaliate. First Peter 3.9 says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. I mean, if every marriage is wrong like this, would there be any problem in any marriage? None. You have been insulting me since I've been looking at you. I need to give you a piece of my mind. Trouble starts. <laughs> insult with insult. God says, don't repay insult with insult. Wow. Don't repay evil with evil. Just refuse to retaliate. Just like, don't resist an evil person. They slap you on one cheek. It's amazing how even the whole teaching is even integrated. It's like, this is, this is like a continuation of Sunday's teaching, really. You know, and everything. It's unplanned, totally unplanned. Because our natural reaction is to put them in their place. Have you heard it before? Just wait, wait, let me put her in her place. What is about to happen? Fire for fire. <laughs> no. Jesus says, refuse to retaliate. Don't fight back. It's tough, it's difficult. I know, I know. But God is saying, don't fight back. Let God do your, your fighting for you. And he's a better fighter than you are. Proverbs 12, 16. The good news translation says, Proverbs 12, 16. It says, when a fool is annoyed, he quickly lets it be known. Smart people will ignore an insult. People sometimes deliberately insult you. They deliberately create situations that are dishonorable to you. The word of God says, a fool gets what? Annoyed immediately. But a wise person will what? Will ignore an insult. How does God want you to respond to an insult? Come on, I can't hear you. Ignore an insult. I mean, that is, we can just stay on that and just marinate, let it enter, you know, into our system. Ignore the insult. Oh, yeah, insult that you, ignore the insult. You will discover, it's not because you are weak, you will discover the strength of God in the whole thing. Ignore the insult. In fact, the, the, the mark of maturity is controlled response. Controlled response, that's the mark of maturity. If, if you, you are not reacting, as they say, you are responding. A controlled response, they've set you up at, at the workplace. It's obvious that they've set you up. I mean, you, but you still don't retaliate. You control your response. At the end of the day, people will respect you more. The more immature you are, the more easily offended you, you become. How easily are you offended? The gauge of your maturity. You know, one of the things that has helped me a lot, I mean, particularly in this work with God, is what my grandmother used to say to us when we were growing up. When someone abuses you, now, and there's an elderly person at home, you know, if you have own training, what do you do? You go and report to the elderly person. You can beat the, 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 the person, 
But if you beat the person, the way we were brought up is that yeah, it's an insult on the other person, and you will get beaten, you know? So the person has offended you, you go and report to the elderly person. So let's say my cousin abused me, real abuse, and I can punch this guy to stupor. But because I needed to, my grandmother is in the house, I need to go and report to her. So I want to report to her so that she can flog him thoroughly so that I can be appeased, right? I go to report to her, and my grandmother says, what did he call you? And I say everything. My grandmother says to me, Ulu Lenwe. You know that was, he's the owner of his mouth. And I'm like, what? He says, he's the owner of his mouth. That him easy to say anything. You just, you're a good boy. Go, I say, good boy. <laughs> Deal with this guy. It has helped me. You know, people have their mouths. And you have your own. You cannot control your own and control somebody else's own. So, if they choose to say whatever with their own mouth, it's their business. Everybody will stand before God one day and give an account of what they have said. Just move on. He's the owner of his mouth. So, oh, pastor, this person said this. She's the owner of her mouth. It will help you not to major on minors. Because many times, we major on minors too often. And if you major on minors, obviously you cannot major on majors because you have just a limited amount of energy and time. If you look at Jesus' life, he refused to retaliate. He refused, I mean, the chief priests in front of Pilate, they were saying all sorts of things about Jesus and Jesus was there and he was listening and he did not say anything. And Pilate said to, to, to Jesus, can't you hear what they are saying? Can't you... Defend yourself. He didn't answer Pilate. And Pilate was upset. Pilate said, okay, tell me, are you the king of the Jews? He said, you have said it. You are the owner of your mouth. <laughs> My grandmother learned it from Jesus. You are the owner of your mouth. You said it. Jesus refused to retaliate. Proverbs 21, 23. Proverbs 21, 23 says that if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you, what you say. If you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. There's this story of this parrot. The parrot was brought, the owners of the parrot were going on vacation. So they brought the parrot to the house of this lady to keep and feed. And they, 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 they told the lady that this parrot, please feed this parrot on time because if you stab this parrot, the parrot will begin to abuse you. <laughs> and the parrot is so tactical in abusing. So this lady was feeding the parrot. I forgot to feed the parrot one day. And the parrot was just saying, hmm, did you hear what the neighbor said? The neighbor says you have a very big head. The neighbor said, and he won't say it, he said the neighbor said, and abused the woman, abused the woman. So the woman said, hey, isn't he abusing? So took the parrot, put the parrot in the freezer <laughs> for 15 minutes. And said to the, after 15 minutes, they brought the parrot out. And the parrot said, did you hear what the talkie was saying? <laughs> the talkie in the freezer. <laughs> the talkie is saying that you have a big stomach. <laughs> so, the woman took the bath again. 20 minutes in the freezer. After 20 minutes, put the parrot out. Oh, shaking. Everybody says you're a good person. <laughs> you are the best woman in the world, the most beautiful woman. <laughs> Evil parrots be left from trouble. <laughs> if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you <laughs> what you say. Number three. Number one, realize you don't you cannot please everyone. Number two, 
refuse to retaliate. Number three, refuse to argue. This can be tough, particularly if you, if you have superior information. Refuse to, hug, to argue. Matthew 22, 15 and 18, the Pharisees went off and made a plan to trap Jesus with questions. Jesus was aware of their intent. However, so he said, why are you trying to trap me? They were, they were trying to make Jesus argue. Jesus said, I'm not going to argue because you just want to trap me. You don't have to argue. Sometimes we feel, I need to argue. I need to, no, 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 you don't have to argue. You can let it go. Some people love to argue. In fact, they are, that's how they get their attention. They seek attention through argument. Don't fall into their trap. It's a waste of time. They just love to argue. I mean, I'm sure we all know such people. Do you? Do you know any of such? Yes, just love to argue. In fact, I have a friend. He loves to argue so much that he will ask you to choose one side of the argument. He will choose the other one. And he will argue his point. And if you flip, he will argue. I mean, he just loves to argue. And back in the day, we had a lot of time to waste. So we just do, do all that. But right now, I don't have a lot of time to waste. So if you want to argue, you just want to argue. I'm telling you something. You just want to argue. I just leave you alone. I don't have time. Proverbs 26, 21. To waste. I don't have time to waste. Proverbs 26, 21 says that, Wood keeps a fire burning, and troublemakers keep argument alive. They keep argument alive. God wants us to be beyond that. Some people thrive on office politics. They thrive on going to this person's desk and saying this, and going to that person's desk and saying that, and going to this person's desk and saying this. In fact, if you... I, I, an entrepreneur, or you, you own a business or, or you're an employee, even if you have people reporting to you, you, mu you must never allow gossip. Never allow gossip. In God's favorite house, if you've done the journey, there's something that you must have heard us say. We have zero tolerance for gossip. Zero tolerance for gossip. In fact, you know, you know why I don't hear gossip? Do you know why? Because the person that brings gossip to me usually gets punished. So who wants to bring gossip to me? <laughs> Nobody. Have you seen? Have you heard? I'm not interested. Gossip. In fact, the, there's a survey. I've, I've told you the result of this survey before. One of the constant things in the lives of multimillionaires is they don't gossip. They're not Christians. They say they can't stand gossip. The constant thing in the life of multimillionaires in different cultures, all of them cannot stand gossip. Is it not interesting that only poor people gossip? And people that poverty is knocking on their door. So if you find out that gossip is staring you, check. Even if you're, you feel you are doing well, check. The times you are really doing well is the time your, your mouth is shut. When you begin to gossip, you begin to go down. That's how it is. Go on, just check. Check last year. Check this year. Half year is gone. So, what to employers? Never allow gossip and troublemakers ruin the morale of your business. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your colleagues, your staff. You owe it to the vision of the organization. Never allow gossip and troublemakers. So, pastor, what do I do? I have someone that is a gossip. Fire him or fire her. Isn't that too hard? If you understand that disharmony destroys productivity, Almost nothing destroys productivity faster than disharmony. The same way unity enhances productivity, disharmony destroys productivity. Fire them. Give them only two warnings. Warning number one, warning number two, fire them. Even if they are top performers, fire them. 
Why? Because gossip is contagious. It's like a cancer. It's, it spreads. Just fire them. Why? Because the gossip will corrupt your culture. The organizational culture. The gossip will corrupt your culture. And no matter how strong your vision is, you know, Sam Chan came and told us that culture, we eat vision for lunch. No matter how strong your vision is, the culture of the organization will eat it for lunch. Easily. In other words, you have to do everything to make sure that you have a healthy culture. Churches, same thing. As in God's favorite house, our culture, by the grace of God, is healthy. Why? Because we keep looking for the bad eggs and boom. Boom. The ones we cannot do it physically, we do it spiritually. Just for that, they are taking certain decisions. Yes, thank you very much. You know, so that there can be fresh air. And the culture can be healthy. You can fire anybody. Of course, folks know that already. If I see that this person is going to create a toxic culture, fire the person. Oh, after one or two warnings. I won once, I won twice, second time, you are gone. Why? Because that's what the word of God says we should do. Pastor, is it in the Bible? Yes. Titus 3.10. Titus chapter 3, verse 10. That's not in your notes. It's an extra. Titus 3.10 is on the screen. It says, if people are causing division among you, give them a first and after that, fire them. It's in the Bible. Have nothing to do with them. Proverbs 22.10, Living Bible says, throw out the mocker and you will be rid of tension, fightings, and quarrels. You see, I cannot overemphasize this. I've seen some business people make a huge, huge mistake by saying, oh, this person is a top performer. Oh, this person is a... Look, let me tell you something. A gossip is costing you far more than they are bringing in. In fact, when you get rid of the gossip, when you get rid of the toxic person, you'll be shocked how healthy your organization will become. In fact, you're are sending a statement out to those people that are not gossip. You are saying you have no tolerance for gossip. And culture is created by what is rewarded and what is punished. I'm sure you know that already. Number one, dealing with difficult people. Realize you can't please everyone. Number two, refuse to retaliate. Number three, refuse to argue. Number four, refuse to cave in. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated. Romans 12.2 says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. And because, you know, don't allow. It's, it's up to you. No one can pressure you without your permission. If you are being controlled, you are allowing it. If you are being controlled, you are allowing it. He says, oh, oh, pastor, ah, my, my husband is very controlling and very um, manipulative. You are allowing it. Oh, pastor, my wife is very controlling. You don't understand. I'm in a difficult place. You are allowing it. I said to folks, for there to be a Jezebel, there must be an Ahab. It takes an Ahab for there to be a Jezebel. Can Jezebel marry Elijah? Fire. <laughs> Straight up. No stories. It's impossible. So face your hair up tendencies and get rid of it. If you are being controlled, you are allowing it. <clears throat> and, I, and I'm here to say to you, it's okay to stand up to a controlling person. I mean, you learned on, on, on Sunday. It's okay to be a peacemaker. It's okay to stand up to a controlling person. Meekness is what confuses a lot of us. We think, oh, 
I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be meek. Yes, you're supposed to be meek. The two meekest people in, this, in the Bible, in fact, the only two people the Bible describes as being meek, is Moses and Jesus. Look at Moses' life. Does, does that show you? Does he look like a weak man? Moses has stood before Pharaoh. Look at Jesus' life. Does he look like a weak man? So, how come we are confusing meekness with weakness? There's no basis, no scriptural basis for it. Because meekness is not weakness. God has not designed you to be a wimp. No, 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 no. God has not designed you to be a step over. No, 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 no. You should be a person of conviction. So, what if you find yourself in a situation at work and you're asked to do something at work that is is not legitimate? I told you my story last week. My immediate boss at the time resigned. I stepped into his shoes. Things were going on well. Then my CEO says to me, you know, you have to do this so that this business can... So what do you do? What do you do when your customer says, oh, you have to do this? You have to swear to this shrine. You want to join a political party, they say, yeah, come. <laughs> we don't, for you to, now you want to be part of us in a caucus. So it's, you are going to swear with the Bible. At least you're a Christian and be, hey, this is the Bible. In fact, this man here is also a pastor. Don't be a fool. Praise the Lord. How do you handle it? Matthew 5.26, the, the, the Jewish Bible version says, all you need to say is yes, if you mean yes, and no, if you mean no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. Just say no. You can say no without feeling guilty. In fact, some of us, we need to practice how to say no. We don't even know how to say no. Okay. Say no. No. You can even say no. Say, Pastor, yes. (laughs) You can say no. Just say no. You don't have to make excuses for it. Some people think, oh, if I I have to say no, eh, you know, it's because it's not easy like that. No, 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 no. Just say no. Just say no. Oh, he's going to feel bad. Oh, she's going to feel bad. (laughs) Just say no. Just say no. Sorry. So how does God want me to relate to intimidating people? They're trying to intimidate you. How does God want me to relate to them? 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy 1.7. The word of God says that for the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid. Instead, his spirit fills us with what? Power. And, and so God wants you to relate with intimidating, damaging, demeaning disrespectful, dishonest people with power, conviction, with love, compassion, and self-control. Those three things must be in the equation. You must relate with them with conviction, with compassion, and with self-control, with power, with love, and self-control. The Phillips translation says, God has not given us the spirit of cowardice. (laughs) No, 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 no. You are finding out that you are, you are being cowardly. That is not the spirit of God. Cast it out. You are finding out that you are being afraid. Living Bible says, God does not want you to be afraid of people. God doesn't want you to be afraid of people. There should be no human being on earth that you are afraid of. None. None. In fact, again, what my grandmother used to say to us, you know, she used to say, in other words, a human being with flesh and blood, as in ordinary flesh. How can you be afraid of ordinary flesh? You can't ordinary flesh. Someone that can just take pepper soup and if you enter a wrong place and it's gone, just like that. Ordinary pepper soup. Gone. 
How can you be afraid of him? Someone that can sleep today and not wake up tomorrow. How can you be afraid of anybody? He says to your neighbor, don't be afraid, my sister, my brother. Don't be afraid. So number one, I must realize that I can't please everybody. Number two, I must not retaliate. I must refuse to retaliate. Number three, I must refuse to argue. Number four, I must not cave in. Number five, I must resolve the conflict quickly. Again, talking about peacemakers, peacekeepers. Ephesians 4, 26, 27. If you become angry, do not let your anger lead you to sin. Do not stay angry all day. Don't give the devil a chance. Don't stay angry all day. Don't give the devil a chance. So question, should a Christian ever get angry? How many people say yes? Should a Christian ever get angry? How many people say no? A Christian should never get angry. Let me see your hands up. They did it like this. <laughs> so that I'm not the only hand up. <clears throat> okay, to help us, did Jesus ever get angry? Is that a license to be short-fused? Sometimes, inevitably, we get angry, but... The Word of God says, the Philip translation says, never go to bed angry. Never go to bed angry. You know, back in the day when, you know, my wife and I get into some real husband and wife argument, heated stuff. And, um, what she does, which used to annoy me, is she just waits until it's, it's night, it's dark. She says, the word of God says that, don't what? Let the sun go down, young God. And that will make me angry. But that's the word of God. She just waits. You're angry, okay, I'm sorry, you wait. Once it's getting dark, don't let the sun. Okay, for the newlyweds, that is, uh, oh, those are going to get married. Those are even married for a long time. That's a tool you can use. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. But of course, you can't use that tool if both of you are not submitted to the word of God. If your husband doesn't care about God. So that means if you marry a rascal, if you tell him the sun must not go down, you say, we son. The truth is that many times it's our pride that keeps us from resolving our anger. Many times it's our pride that keeps us from resolving our anger. There's this thing I'm saying that I, you know, I say to myself, or I, I just start saying to myself, Recently. When I swallow my anger, my stomach has sores. But when I swallow my pride, my stomach has joy. Ah, you didn't put I feel Femi in there. I'm joking. But it's an original thought. When, my, when I swallow my anger, my stomach has sores. When I swallow my pride, my stomach has joy. So what do you want to swallow? Swallow your pride. Swallow your pride. And confrontation, okay, folks are still writing that. Now, but confrontation is the only way to resolve conflicts. I mean, you learned that on Sunday. Confrontation is the only way to resolve conflicts.
conflict is the only way. But there are two ways. There's the advocacy and inquiry. If you go by inquiry, you will always get it resolved. If you are wondering what am I saying, listen to Sunday's message. James 1.19 says, everyone, when you are confronting, when you are confronting an issue in inquiry, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everybody should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. When you are relating with people in inquiry and you are confronting an issue, you are not going by advocacy, you are going by inquiry. Be quick to listen, be slow to speak, be slow to rot. And the key is when you are listening, listen for the person's hurt. Listen for their pain. What are they saying? What is the pain? What's the, what's the point of pain? And when you find the point of pain, empathize. Don't, don't ridicule the point of pain. Why? Because sometimes the point of pain, because we are different people, particularly male and female, we, we are different. So different. Sometimes... I mean, this happens over and over in counseling couples. Sometimes a wife discovers the point of pain. She finally gets the point of pain of her husband. After a lot of trying to listen, she finally gets the point of pain of her husband. And she says, is that all? Is that, is that why you, are, you have been crying since? Never say that. Because you are putting... Insult on the injury. Say, okay, that is why you have been angry. And try and say, but Pastor, what if I, 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 I really don't feel like that? You have to grow up and feel like that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Finally, so to deal with difficult people, number one, I must realize that I can't please everyone. Number two, I must what? Come on. Number two, I must. Number three, refuse to argue. Number four, refuse to cave in. Number five, resolve conflict quickly. Number six, respond in love. Respond with love. Respond with love. In spite of people's behavior. You must remember two things. In spite of people's behavior, regardless of what people are doing or have done, you must remember two things. Number one, you must remember that God loves them. God loves them. Regardless of people's behavior, regardless of how nasty they are or how irresponsible they are or how saucy they are, whatever. You must remember that God loves them. And God loves them Passionately and completely. Secondly, not only does God love them, God wants you to learn how to love them also. God wants you to learn how to love them also. So, God loves them and God wants you to love them. Even though they appear to be unlovable. God wants you to love them. And for some of us, the beginning, the starting point will be to forgive them first. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Matthew 5, 44, the word of God says, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Love your enemies. That's what the word of God says. And, you know, like I said, it starts with forgiveness. Because you've heard it. I'm sure you've heard it. If you've not heard it, heard it now. So, unforgiveness is drinking poison and thinking somebody else will die. I mean, you've several in different forms. It's, when you owe somebody unforgiveness, it's like you are drinking the poison and you want the person to die. It's the person that drinks the poison that dies. You need to forgive. That's the first rung in the ladder. You need to forgive. I've shared a story of a lady um, <clears throat> before um, 
my friend and, and uh, a couple of my friends were praying for this lady. And they, they were praying passionately. The lady has like shingles. I don't know if you know what shingles are. This like, um, like stones all over her body. Like on her face, on her hands, they're like growth like balls. And, you know, back in the day, you know, I always like anything that would prove that Jesus is Lord. I, I, I mean, I, I love it. So, so when I saw my friends praying for her to be healed of that shingle, I just joined the prayer straight. We were praying passionately. The place was heated. And I heard God say to me, I should ask her about her dad. If she can forgive her dad, the shingles will go. So I paused the prayer meeting. I was excited, you know. It's like, yes, this is the solution. So I said to her, you know, I, I, I used, you know, I, I wasn't very direct, but I put it to her. Your dad, God wants you to forgive your dad. This thing will go. And her face changed, as in, it was like a demon. She was like, eh. So, God wants to punish her for all that useless man has done. In fact, if she wants to, she's ready to die like this. I said, you are the one that has shingles. The guys. She says that they abandoned the father, the mother, and da da da. It's probably carrying one small. Uh, what do they call them? <laughs> one small Susie. <laughs> you are here, you are suffering. And you insist that because he maltreated you when you were small, you will never forgive him. You are ready to die with this shame. You are the one drinking the poison. You are the one dying. Is it really worth suffering twice? You've suffered at his hands and you want to suffer all through your adult life? She said she was not going to let him. And it was as if my friends were, were like, are you guys done? Let's continue praying. And they started praying again. Yeah, I carried my Bible and I left the place. They looked at me as if I was Judgmental, I left the place. It's a waste of time. They can pray. As the last time I saw her is a long time ago. She still had it. You can pray from now to tomorrow. God wants you to forgive someone. Forgive the person. If you refuse to, you are the one holding yourself down. Praise the Lord. Love your enemy. But the flip side is love your enemy doesn't mean you should always give in. This is not unforgiveness. This means not being trampled upon. Love is giving people what they need, not what they want, what they need. And sometimes, all they need is someone to stand up to them. That's love. It's called tough love. Somebody to call their bluff. Praise the name of the Lord. So think about the person you have most difficulty with at work. Or maybe you want to extend this to your relationships. Think of the person that you have most difficulty with. How are they? Are they demeaning? Are they defensive? Are they dishonest? Are they disagreeable? Are they demanding? Are they just oppressive? How are you going to respond now going forward? You must realize you can't please everybody. You must refuse to retaliate. You must refuse to argue. You must refuse to cave in. You must resolve the conflict quickly. And you must respond with love. And, you know, I want to 
as a closing thought, I want us to consider this scripture, this very last scripture. That says that when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to live at peace with him. I want us to consider that if, if, if it appears that you have conflict all over, maybe you want to check your ways with the Lord. If you appear that, you know, it's all sour relationships, you want to consider your ways with the Lord because the Word of God says that if a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace. Praise the name of the Lord. It can be unsettling. But it's the first place to check. Give God the praise and glory. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.